Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly brought to you by Firm Foundation Media. Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires, and we're very pleased to be joined once again by the head coach of the Moncton Magic, the Moncton Magic that are now destined for round two against the Halifax Hurricanes. It's Coach Joe Salerno. Hey, Coach. Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great, sir, and uh, it's been uh, a good couple of days, kind of, I know for myself, coming down off of the high of calling that game. Even though Dave and I, my broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, coach, you know, we're a little biased because we're the home broadcaster for Moncton, just to be a fan of that game and to be able to be courtside and uh, take in that game five uh, was exciting. How was it for your perspective on the sidelines, coach? <laughs> it was a it was a roller coaster, you know, there's, there's no, no doubt about that, but um it, it the, the gym, the atmosphere, uh, you know, at the Coliseum, it was just absolutely electric. And, um, you know, the way we came back in that game, um, you know, being 17 points down, you know, with about eight minutes left in the third, um, it, it absolutely, you know, kind of showed a lot about our team and kind of the heart that they have and, and uh, that desire. We talk about the desire to win. Um I, you know, I think that win, that, that win, those final, you know, 20 minutes of that game is, is going to do more for our team moving forward in the playoffs than, than probably any other situation this entire season. So it was, uh, it was definitely a roller coaster with a lot of ups and downs. It was certainly intense. And I can only imagine what it was like to, uh, to be watching the game as a fan. Well, Dave and I, where we're located on uh, center court there, on the sidelines in our broadcast position. I mean, it was just electric. When we were commenting about uh, the crowd and and a couple of times you mentioned like the roof coming off, so to speak, uh, we were not exaggerating. You know, sometimes you don't know if it translates through the broadcast, but you're absolutely right. It was just, uh, it was an electric atmosphere. I think one of the terms I used at one point was volcanic, but it it was quite something else. And you know something, coach, something else that I really enjoyed because of our vantage point, your bench is to our left, and quite often, depending on what's going on, you can kind of be down close to our broadcast position. I'd like to talk about the many faces of Joe Salerno. Uh, <laughs> through, <laughs> through, throughout that game, I think if we had a head an ISO camera on you, you would have been able to tell what was going on in the game, at least from a Moncton Magic standpoint, based on your facial expressions. Uh, the first expression we'll talk about was a little bit of... Uh, exasperation perhaps and frustration but can you put your finger on exactly what happened in the early stages certainly that first quarter and a half where you know credit to St. John take nothing away from them but it certainly seemed that you guys were maybe a little little bit out of sync and maybe not quite hitting your stride can you maybe what was going through your mind what were you thinking well I think first and foremost you absolutely have to credit St. John for putting us in that in that state. Um, I looked around at, at our guys and in a few of the, the timeouts during that, that first half. And we, we really kind of looked like deer in headlights. And uh, I think St. John, they came out very aggressive and, and they were just executing to a T and, and all of a sudden, you know, we were giving up layups and, and these high percentage shots that we had not given up for, for four straight games. And, and our guys almost just looked a little, a little stunned and a little shell shocked, like what, what's going on? And, 
and that really took away from our, our focus that had been so sharp, you know, all defensively, you know, defensively all series. Um, so it was, it was absolutely frustrating for me. You know, I, I, I think at halftime I was kind of saying like, who are the five guys in the white jerseys out there on the court? Because they're not our guys right now. You know, we're, we're in a different state of mind that we haven't been in all series here and, and we need to, to snap out of it. Um, so with it, with it being a, a kind of do or die winner, go home type game, you know, it was obviously frustrating that we came out and got up to the start that we did. Uh, I was personally really trying to, to keep them calm. I think, you know, almost every other word out of my mouth, every other sentence was guys, there's all kinds of time left. We have to settle down. We have to settle in here, you know, understand like there's a lot of game left. We just kind of have to get back to, to doing what we do, but it, it was absolutely frustrating. But again, credit credit to St. John, uh, they they were outstanding to start the game. No, hundred percent. And one of the things that you know Dave and I talked about on the broadcast was just that. To your point, better for St. John to do what they were doing to you guys early in the game, where you would have lots of time left, rather than have that happen midway through the fourth quarter. But as that's going on, and, and we we know you called a couple of timeouts. Uh, but it really seemed that early in that game, uh, St. John were running these cutting plays, especially to Ali Ahmed inside, and it was almost like the Moncton Magic were a little bit confused or out of sync on defense. Taking uh, Apart from what St. John was doing, how much of that do you maybe credit to a little bit of nerves? Because as veteran as this team is and as professional as this team is and as prepared as they are, Sometimes you can put a little bit extra pressure on yourself in front of the home fans, but how much would you say the early part of that game might've been a little bit of nerves for your guys? Oh, it was a huge part. Um, but I think it was St. John, you know, kind of igniting or setting off those nerves. You know, when, when they jumped on us, I think it was 11 two. um, you know, that's when the nerves set in, you know, the guys weren't nervous before the game. There was no, nothing different. It was a confident group. It was, you know, we were fine. Once we got down very quickly in that game, I think the nerves set in like, Hey, you know, tomorrow coach is either going to be booking practice time or booking flights. Like this is, this is it for us right now. Um, and I think that's when the nerves set in, when they, they kind of realize, Hey, this is, this is winter go home. Um, so again, the nerves was, was kind of all due to, to St. John getting up early on us. Those nerves kind of set in and it, and it took a long time for us to, to kind of settle back down and, and really do what we had, we had done all series. Um, you know, closing off the second quarter and the nature that we did, we kept just saying, Hey, get it into single digits, get it into single digits. And I think we cut it to, to seven, you know, before the half. Um, so, you know, once we, we got from there on, you know, it, it was, it was all good, but, but yeah, it was a very, very difficult, frustrating, emotional start to uh, to that game. Certainly with a lot of veterans that you have, there's guys that you can look to to kind of settle things down, and Anthony Anderson and Al Stewart and Corey Allman. But you mentioned that run you guys made in the second quarter late, just before the end of the half, and it was you know, very important for your guys to be able to do that. Sometimes it can be a gradual thing, and sometimes it can be a switch that's flipped, or sometimes it's something that you can sense was there a moment or was it a timeout or was there something specific coach that you can kind of pinpoint in that second quarter as you got down to the late stages that you as the coach on the sideline internally said to yourself, okay, we're back. We're okay. Here we go. I don't know if it was, if it was one thing or not. I think it was, it was, 
the aggressive nature we started to defend with. Um, and I think a lot of that, you know, is, is attributed to, to Denzel Taylor and, and the way that he was playing, which is interesting because you talk about all the veterans that we have and, and Denzel is now one of only two true rookies on our roster. Um, but he really picked up the energy defensively for us in that second quarter. And, you know, I think once we got a few stops, we got a few easy baskets from our defense, you know, it, it settled guys in, um, you know, so I, I don't think it was one specific thing. I think it was a, a, you know, a slew of plays, you know, and I think a lot of it, like I said, had to do with, with, uh, with Denzel kind of leading the charge on the defensive end. And it's interesting that you mentioned about getting inside uh, single digits. That's something that I talk about on the broadcast quite often, whether it's you guys up by double digits and your opponent having to come back or the other way around like it was for you guys the other night. But there is something, uh, whether it's psychological or whatever it is, that that double-digit barrier, you know, you could be trailing by 16, 18, 20, but if you can work it down and get it inside double digits and, as you said, make it a single-digit lead or single digit situation it kind of tends to change how the team feels from your perspective and from your experience what is it about that barrier of double digits to single digits that can make such a big difference well i I mean it's it's psychological i mean the guys look up on the board and, and you know they see it's a it's a nine point game or a seven point game you know you understand that that's only you know three possessions you know, roughly, and and it's three possessions is, is nothing in this league with, especially you know with the guys that we have that can shoot the basketball. You know, in the nature that they do, and Corey Allman and, and Jason Calise, and um, but I, I really do. It, it's just a psychological thing seeing a smaller number up there on the board. You know, knowing that that you have time. You know, knowing that nine points is is three possessions. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know. Single digits to double digits is, is night and day, you know, when you're on the comeback trail. And, and it was huge for us to get it, you know, down to seven uh, before the second half. Speaking of the second half, before you got there, you had to go into the locker room. And obviously halftime is a time where you have a big chunk of time to talk to your team. Timeouts are quick. They're a minute and a half, two minutes, and you kind of got to get the message across quickly. You guys did make that run late in the second half. You, you cut the deficit. You were much closer. But what was the mood of the dressing room, and what was the message from you and the coaching staff to the guys? You know, from, from an X's and, an, X's and O's standpoint, it, it was it was fairly minimal. Um, you know, St. John wasn't really changing what they were doing offensively. You know, again, I go back to the first quarter where we just were not in the right frame of mind after getting down, you know, by 10 fairly quickly. Um, so it was, it was more, you know, a, a fairly animated discussion about, you know, this is, this is why all of us said, you know, we came here this season and, and this is our goal and, and this is in our way right now, you know, and, and there really is no tomorrow. Um, it was really kind of more of that emotional type talk, you know, at halftime and, and just making sure the guys understood, like, you know, we have 24 minutes, it's a seven point lead, you know, we can get this done, you know, let's, let's just get back to to playing basketball and, and, and not worrying about anything else and, and just execute a game plan. So um, I think it was just trying to pump them up a little bit, you know, try to try to fill them up with confidence after a rocky first half. And I was very positive in the locker room. You know, it wasn't a, a yelling, you know, <laughs> type situation. It, it wasn't anything like that. I didn't need the guys any lower than what they already were. It was, it was time to really build them back up and, and just really kind of pump them full of confidence. 
um, you know, which, which worked, you know, we cut it to three uh, going into the fourth quarter and, and then, you know, that, that, that fourth quarter, which, which has to be kind of a classic um, was really something kind of special. Well, coach, you mentioned that fourth quarter, I'm going to play something for you. And then I want you to tell me what you were feeling at the moment that this happened in the game. Another chance for the Magic to take their first lead, and there it is! Anthony Anderson has put the Magic into the lead for the first time in Game 5 with 3.53 left to play in the fourth quarter. And more vintage double-A, such a tough finish. So that was, as you heard, just inside four minutes when Anthony Anderson gave you guys the lead for the first time. On the video, you can see you going up the sideline clapping your hands, but what was the mood with you, the bench, overall with the team at that moment when you finally took the lead? Yeah, that, that was a great call, by the way, Scott. That was uh, that was that was really well done. Um, honestly, honestly, when 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 Double A hit that layup to take the lead, I I didn't feel any anything different. <laughs> there there wasn't any sigh of relief or we're, we're finally over the hump or, or anything like that. Uh, I think it was on maybe the next possession where Terry Thomas hit the three uh, off the extra pass from Al Stewart. That was the the real kind of sense of, of not jubilation, but but of just a little bit of ease. That was the sense of we, we've we've gone, we've put this up to four. We're really rolling right now, and 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 I think you know I think this game is over. I, when when Terry hit that three to go up four, even though there was still about three minutes left in the game the momentum that we had and, and the crowd and, and the bench. And um, that was the point in the game that, that I knew, you know, we were going to be, we were going to advance. And you talk about emotion, Corey Almond, uh, who, as you mentioned, hit some big shots as well. It's the most demonstrative that I've seen him. I mean, he's been emotional. He's gotten the phone out, you know, and, and played to the crowd when he's hit three balls all season long. But certainly from a cheerleading perspective and getting the crowd into it and getting the bench behind it, uh, Corey Almond was as animated as I've seen him all season long. Maybe just a word or two uh, about Corey's contribution in that game. Yeah, you know, Corey, Corey hung in there. It was, it was a very tough series for, for Corey, um, just for the sense of, of how well St. John defended you know, and how physical Jeremiah Morty is and, and all those type things. And, and he found ways to, to find his shot. You know, most of them were out of transition. But uh, I felt like when Corey, you know, Corey hit three threes there in, in the second half that were very big shots. And, um, you know, for him, it was almost like a, a sense of relief as well. You know, it was it was it was just this emotion that came out of him. And, and Corey, like we've always said, is a true pro. And it's just about winning, you know, for Corey Allman and, uh, you know, he felt that momentum swing too, and and it was it's tough to control your emotions at that state. And it was actually great to see. And you know, the the nice thing about about Corey Allman in that game too, you know, we actually ran with a bit of a different lineup. You know, down the stretch in that game, the final five six minutes, you know, we were going with Anthony Anderson and and uh, and Al Stewart. And uh, normally that's the time Corey's in the game, but he was just as animated and and you know happy on the sideline and. I think that says a lot about his character and, and kind of where our team is at. You know, it's just about winning. So, no, it was great. You know, a lot of guys showed more emotion. You know, Juan Patillo showed, showed more emotion late in that game than, than what you normally see. I know Anthony Anderson did. Um, so it was great. It was just a, a, a highly emotionally charged win 
which is what you expect in, in the playoffs, certainly in a, uh, in a game five. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Juan Patillo living up to uh, the advanced billing that he came to the team with, so athletic, uh, hammering down several big jams, to, to quote my broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, at Juan Patillo hates rims, and I, I think that he does, but in a good way for the Moncton Magic. And Terry Thomas as well, hard not to talk about him. I mean, look, it's a team effort, and everybody rode the boat the same way and contributed to that win the other night. But Terry had a tough start. He wasn't shooting well from the floor. But as you said, he came in, and you guys had pulled ahead. He hit the three, and then it became the Terry Thomas show for a bit. What does that say about who Terry Thomas is in, in, in terms of his uh, his grittiness to be able to have a tough game for the majority of it, but then be able to come in at crunch time and have the effort that he had? Yeah, I, I think it speaks to his, his maturity. And, and like I've talked about on this, this podcast before, Terry's really matured, you know, over the course of the season. Um, you know, two years ago, if Terry had started off a game three of 14 from the floor, it would have been very difficult for him to come back in and have the impact that he did in the fourth. Uh, we sat him down for a little while. You know, he sat down a little longer than his normal rotation. Uh, he didn't go back in the game until about five and a half left in the fourth which normally he's back in the fourth quarter with about nine minutes left. So, you know, he settled down. Um, there was never a question in my mind that, that we were going to go back to Terry and, and he was going to have a big role down the stretch, and, and he did. And, uh, you know, I have all the confidence in the world in Terry Thomas. He, he's a top three or four player in this league, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, he, he led us, he led his team, you know, to a victory going five or six from the floor in the fourth quarter. So, Coach, you're getting down close to the end of the game. St. John, you knew they were going to make a a push. Horace Wormley did Horace Wormley things. Uh, Certainly outside the magic, Horace, one of my favorite players in the NBL. But what was your message to the guys down the stretch the last couple of minutes to make sure that they kept their composure and didn't let St. John get back into it and at the very least push it to overtime? Most of the time it it was just talking about getting stops. You know, we, we just had to get stops, and, and we were on such a high in that fourth quarter. You know, we were getting out and running the floor, and, you know, Al Stewart was, was huge in that game. He made some, some huge plays. Um, but it was it, the message was getting stops and continuing to be aggressive, you know, and, and we had quite a few baskets in transition where it would have been easy for us to try to take the air out of the ball with, you know, a four- or five-point lead. Um but St. John, you know, they can be just so dangerous. With guys like Wormley and, and Malcolm Miller, we wanted to stay aggressive offensively and, uh, and continue to, to try to get stops. Um, you know, that was really the, the kind of message. We weren't looking ahead and we weren't talking about, oh, you know, this is such a big moment. This is going to be a big win for our organization. It was, hey, <laughs> let's get a stop on the next possession and then look to push the basketball. Let, let's just stay right in the moment here and, and finish this game off. And we referenced it a couple of times, but maybe, Coach, just a word about that Coliseum crowd, 1,300-plus, but I saw several comments and heard several comments that it seemed like there was 3,000 or more in the building. What can you say about that crowd and how much they helped you guys down the stretch in that Game 5? They, they were outstanding. They were a huge part of that victory. Um, you know, it's really interesting. The Moncton Coliseum can be a very loud building. And I don't know if it if it's how it's structurally set up. You know, the, the roof is, is very shallow. It's, it's a very low roof in that building. 
you see a lot of, you know, bare metal rafters up there. And, and, and um, it's funny. I've, I've always said one of the loudest times I've ever heard of a building in, in the NBL Canada was, was four years ago. We actually played the Moncton Miracles in a first-round playoff series. And it was a best of five. And, uh, and we had won the first two games of the series. So we were up 2-0 coming back to Moncton. And that game three was, was at the Coliseum on a Friday night. And they had a big crowd. And they won that game. And I still say that was one of the, the loudest I've ever heard a building in the NBL Canada. And how loud that building was the other night in the fourth quarter, I, I don't know if it even compares. Um, so it, it was as loud, close to, as I've heard a building uh, in this league. And to have 1,300 people there, you know, it did sound like 3,000. And, and they were extremely supportive. And, uh, you know, it fueled our guys, no, no question about it. And I know that uh, a big moment as well, we've talked about it all season long on this podcast, but having your family around, uh, we went into the dressing room after the game, Dave and I, and of course the coaching staff was there, but uh, your wife, Darcy was there and your two kids as well. Again, coach, just, uh, you know, how special is that to be able to have them there to experience something like that? Because these really are kind of once in a lifetime moments. Yeah, it is. It is, it is special. And, you know, I always say that, um, you know, when, when you're coaching, uh, your, your family just has to be 100% committed and on board. And, you know, when 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 you have a win like that as, as a coach, you know, your your family feels that win too. You know, there's there's a feeling of uh, pride. You know, there's a feeling of, of excitement and, and joy. And, and there's a feeling of, of relief too. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's uh, it can be very stressful, you know, being a, a basketball family and, and at the professional level. And, you know, you're here to win games. And, and I think along with myself, there, there would have been a, a feeling of disappointment, you know, if we hadn't, you know, won a first round playoff series with the team that we've had all season. So I think all those emotions kind of came together and, and it was nice to celebrate that with them there. And uh, like I said, they're, they're just as big a part of that win as, as I am, you know, with everything they sacrificed. So um, it was great. It was a special moment. Now I'll play the last couple of seconds of our broadcast coach. And when I'm finished playing it, I, whatever emotion or exactly what you're feeling when I finish playing it, just kind of let me know what it is you're feeling and what it was like at that final stages. Here's the last couple of seconds of the game. So you hear that, Coach? And what was it like on the sideline? That Because the buildup is there. It's game five, the tension, everything. But the final seconds, the clock hits all zeros, and you can exhale. What was that moment like? Uh, just like you said, it was a huge exhale. Um, it was a feeling of, of like I said, of, of joy and, and relief. And um, when you're in a winner-go-home type game, you know, and you're not ready for your season to end, you know, when that final buzzer goes off, it's that that's exactly what you feel, you know. And, and I told our guys before the playoffs started, I said, you know, other than winning a championship, which I've not done yet, the next best feeling in the world when it comes to this game is, is advancing in a playoff series because um, you just battled. And, and the nature of that series 
where we won the first two games, St. John won the next two games, and then there's this uneasy tension of a, of a game five to know that you get to start over again from scratch. It's 0-0. You know, a team has to beat you four times now. You know, there, there's it's just a, a wonderful feeling, you know, that you, you went to battle and, uh, and you came out on top. And um, I, I, could, I could feel that, that all day, you know. And I, I sent out a tweet following the game. I, I know you follow me on, on Twitter, Scott, but it was – I had said, you know, I looked back, and that was actually my 11th playoff series in this league. And um, I, I think it may have been the most difficult one I've ever had. So you can imagine the, the sense of relief, you know, once it was uh, once it was over. Well, again, the uh, I referenced it earlier, but the many faces of Joe Salerno. The, there was, <laughs> and I sent out a tweet, and I think I used about five or six different face emojis to, to kind of tee up uh talking about it on the podcast but uh, the one that i saw on your face at the end when uh, the buzzer hit and you guys were lining up for for handshakes pretty much summed up exactly what you said you could just tell that uh, there was a sense of relief but also a lot of pride uh, in what you guys had accomplished and before we move on and talk about halifax coach maybe just a final word about your opponent, your provincial rival, the Battle of the 506 Combatants, all those things. But maybe just a final word about the Riptide and uh, Coach Taroba. Yeah, yeah. I actually I, I chatted with uh, with Coach Taroba for a little while after the game, you know, well, probably almost an hour after the game as, as he was exiting the, the building. And, you know, just sincerely wanted to, to credit him and, and, and kind of praise him for the job he did as a first-year head coach in this league that is not an easy thing to do, you know, to have the season that, that he had um, to lose a player like Gabe Freeman, you know, to have a lot of uh, younger guys on their team. He just got them all to buy in and, and completely play unselfish basketball and just really, really impressive. You know, the number of coaches that have recycled in and out of this league and the revolving door that it, that it can be, you know, uh, in this league and in any league at professional level, it's, it's a very difficult job as a first-year head coach. And uh, I just wanted to tell him that. And, and I meant it wholeheartedly. And, and um, he was just really, really impressive. Uh, their whole team was impressive. You know, they were a class act who, who competed every night. And I, I really can't say enough about him. You know, I, I really can't. So, uh, and he took it all in stride. You know, he, he really uh, wished us well in, in the Halifax series. Um, and you know, I, I said, Hey, I, I hope to hook up with them this summer on, on the recruiting circuit and, and, um, you know, let's stay in touch, but, uh, but they were great. They were, they were exceptional, uh, for, for a younger team with it, with a first year head coach. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely echo that, uh, the team, they were great, you know, chatting to the guys when they come in the arena, coach Taroba, very accommodating. So <laughs> it was, it was great to see. Now you mentioned the Halifax hurricanes and, you know, as, as tight and as even a series as we knew it was going to be against the St. John Riptide, expect nothing less now against uh, the Halifax Hurricanes, a team that you guys have battled hard all year. There has been times when you've had their number and they've returned the favor. Coach, you haven't had a whole lot of time to absorb the Game 5 win and to get prepped for uh, Halifax, but what has the last couple of days been like in terms of recovering from game five and now getting ready to hit up to Halifax tomorrow for the first two in the best of seven. Yeah. You know, it's funny yesterday morning, um, probably about 9am. I think I was just finishing breakfast. <laughs> I watched the, uh, 
the magic highlight reel from from game five, which was a, was a great reel. And uh, and I told myself before I said this is the last time I'm going to watch this, you know, because it's so it's fun to watch. It's fun to see uh, your your team, you know, come through with a win and, and all those things. And I said this is the last time I'm going to watch it. And uh, and I watched it. And I haven't watched it since. And it's only been about Halifax since since about 9 a.m. You know, yesterday morning. So um, this is going to be a great series, you know. And it was a great regular season series. You know, we we split three three. You know, and, and we played them six times, and both teams won twice on the opposing team's floor. Um, you know, so it just has all the makings to have a, a great series. You have a really two veteran teams. Uh, you have a, a group of guys in our team that, you know, a lot of them have, have been close to winning championships um, and maybe they feel it's, it's their turn, you know, it's, it's time to get it done. And then you have a group of guys in Halifax who, who have won a championship and, and they've, uh, they've been to the finals multiple years in a row here and, and they're trying to protect that. So um, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to, to getting this series going and, and getting it going tomorrow night in Halifax. Well, certainly lots of storylines. You're absolutely right. And one of them is, I mean, the coaching fraternity is a, co- a close fraternity, but certainly uh, none closer than yourself and Mike Leslie. You guys know each other well. He's been on your staff. Uh, you, you've played him before, Coach, but maybe a little different this time around because of the team that you have in Moncton. And, you know, sometimes expectations can be just that. But, you know, there is a certain expectation with this Moncton team. But maybe you're th- about going up again against not only a coaching rival, but, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a friend. What, what are your thoughts and what's that going to be like taking on Coach Leslie? Yeah, it, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I actually, you know, Mike, his last year, as, his first year as a head coach, you know, he had a very good team in Halifax who went on to the finals, and, and they actually, you know, beat my team in, in the conference finals uh, last year. Um, you know, so we we've kind of already had this, you know, kind of first, you know, collision here of, of, of former coaches and, and really good friends. I, I think that's, that's all kind of out of the way. Um, there's a, there's no more, you know, kind of uneasy tension or, or nervousness of, about that. Um, you know, we had a good series last year that went six and, you know, we played each other six times this year and we've split. So, um, but it, it's tough. It, it, it is a little tough. You know, Mike is as, you know, dear a friend of mine as, as I have, as I certainly have had during my time here in Canada. Um, we spent countless hours over the span of four years in, in up and down situations, you know, coaching together. Um, and, you know, now that you have to kind of compete against that guy, it's tough, you know, because nobody, you know, wanted to see Mike win more games you know, last year and, and even a little bit this year than, than myself, you know, selfishly, because he is a former assistant coach of mine and he is a very good friend of mine. But obviously when, when we meet up, you know, it's a, it's a different story. So, um, you know, I think it's just going to be a good series of, 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 you know, two, two pretty good coaches who, you know, teams execute and, and there's a lot of talent and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge and it, and it will certainly be a challenge. And before we get to some of the keys uh, for the Moncton Magic to have success against the Halifax Hurricanes, hard not to talk about the opening round series or the opening game in that second round series in the other division 
the one and two seed in that division, same as it's going to be in the Atlantic. Halifax, the one seed, you guys, the two. In the other division, London and St. John's, the edge, one and two. And what an epic battle last night, Coach. I know you're focused on your business and the Hurricanes, but hard not to know what went down last night going into double overtime. All the makings of two teams that are going to beat the stuffing out of each other for potentially seven games. But maybe just a quick thought or two on what transpired there last night and, uh, you know, what to expect in terms of uh, those two teams knocking the tar out of each other until maybe you or Halifax get to play them. Yeah, no, it's going to be a great series. I actually, I only watched, uh, I watched the fourth quarter and then, of course, the two overtimes, you know, with that game last night. I was kind of following on the live stats a little bit, but I was, I was doing some film work of our own. Um, those are two very explosive offensive teams. And, um, you know, to me coming away from that game, it was like big shot after big shot was, was being knocked down, you know, by, by big time players, whether it was Carl English or, or Hinkle or Royce white, or, you know, Kyle Johnson was huge for London, you know, in the final couple of minutes. Um, I just couldn't get over the fact that, you know, in the first five-minute overtime, both teams scored 16 points. You know, 32 points were scored in in those in that five minutes. Um, and then in the second overtime, I think it was what maybe a combined. You know, London scored 20 in the second overtime. So it's just pretty crazy um, the scoring that went on and, and how many guys hit clutch shots and it made for great basketball. So that's going to be a tough series. I think both semifinals are going to be going to be very tough series and. I don't think you can really ask for anything more. Well, it's funny. There was uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was, but someone from the Halifax Hurricanes organization had tweeted out uh, when you guys, you and St. John were going to a game five. They're like, yeah, that's fine, guys. Keep going. Keep playing each other. Hey, go to overtime if you want in game five. To that point, at this point in the season, does fatigue become a factor? The fact that the Hurricanes got out in four, you guys went to five, played a couple of days longer how much of a factor can that be um i mean it it can play a factor but i don't think it's going to play a huge factor i mean halifax finished their series what saturday night uh on pei you know and and we finished uh what monday night so i mean they they have a, a a day day and a half rest on us but um you know at this point in time i mean you try to do your resting in between the end of the regular season and, and the playoffs. Um, you know, you, you try to be as smart with it as you can during your playoff series, but, you know, th- this is it. I mean, this is this is why you play. And, and they're really – you don't have time for excuses of, of I'm tired. It's, it's time to leave it all out there. It's, uh, you know, if a guy goes down or a guy needs a rest, it's, it's next guy up, you know, and, and that's that mentality that, that good teams have. So – I don't think it's going to play a huge factor uh, in our, our first couple games in Halifax. Coach, no secrets between you and the Halifax Hurricanes. You and Coach Leslie know each other well. You've played each other lots of times, as you mentioned, certainly this season. You both know what the other has to offer, what the other team brings. But that aside, you know, all coaches hunker down and you, and you try to come up with a game plan. You try to come up with a new wrinkle, a couple of things that are going to be keys. Obviously, I don't want you to give away any secrets to your opponent, but going into this game one in Halifax, of course, the first two games down at Scotiabank Center, what are you and the coaching staff talking about? What do you feel are going to be a couple of real keys? And it could even be something that's an intangible, but what do you think for you guys are going to be a couple of real keys 
for success in the series, certainly in the first couple of games in Halifax. Yeah, I might have mentioned before, but I think the biggest thing for us right now is, is kind of transitioning our mindset defensively where you, you just have two really different styles. Halifax, like I said, they, they really move the basketball. You know, you, you never – you don't see isolation. You, you don't see a lot of, you know, just straight high center ball screen like you see with St. John. Obviously, them trying to put the ball in, in the horse Wormley's hand is, as they should have. Uh, but they play a different style of game. There's a lot of ball movement. Um, there's much more movement in the half-court game offensively. So us trying to wrap our head around, you know, how we have to defend them um, is, is really the most important thing for us right now. Um, and when you talk about just straight keys to the series or, or things that we have to do well to have success against the Hurricanes, you know, we, we have to do our job on the glass. I mean, there's there's no doubt. There's no secrets you know how good their front court is even missing you know cj washington you know billy white ronaldo dixon you know ramil brown tyron watson you know all these guys are, are just so tough and and when you're playing a team that is as good as they are offensively you know giving them second chances is is just something you you can't do you certainly can't do it often so that's a big key you know uh for us um they're very good at, at pushing the basketball. You know, they, they find ways to get easy baskets in transition, whether that's lob plays, you know, to, to Billy White or, you know, Tyrone Watson getting out as he does often in, in running in transition. Clifford Kling scales, there's nobody better in the league about, you know, getting that head up right away and looking down the floor and, and making the right pass. So transition defense is another really big key for us in this series. Uh, but there's a lot of them, you know, but, for us, hanging that hat on that defensive end, you know, getting stops is what we've done all year. Uh, it can't be any different in this series. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, of course. Game one tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Atlantic time at Scotiabank Center in Halifax. If you can make the trip down to Halifax and go to Scotiabank Center, I would encourage you to do so. But if you can't make it, you can go to the Moncton Magic website, monktonmagic.ca, for the live stream game two will be Saturday at 7 p.m. And then the scene shifts to Moncton Coach. You guys will be back at the Coliseum Tuesday and Thursday for 7 o'clock games. Before I let you go, i got to ask you, uh, again, we talk about your kids all the time, but first of all, they're gosh darn adorable, so it's hard not to. Thanks. But uh, your son Cam and and your daughter, uh, sorry, your daughter's name again? Alex. Alex. They did up signs. <laughs> for the team the other night for game five and, and Alex had a really cute sign with an orange felt heart and all kinds of Moncton magic basketball orange all over the sign and it was really pretty and and very cute I've got two daughters and it was something that I would have seen my daughters which is very cute very sweet your daughter or your son Cam he had a great sign as well but you pointed out the fact that on Cam's sign it and again I'm loosely quoting here but I, I believe it was I think the Moncton Magic are going to win. And then he had think crossed out, and I know. My question to coach is, <laughs> when did Cam change the think to know? You know, I haven't – I don't know when he changed that. I know <laughs> – I know he changed it at some point during the game. It, it was not after the game. I think uh, one of the, the cool things, the Magic, you know, the organization, I think they had a, a sign-making table for, for kids that were attending the game, and – and of course, Cam and, and Alex were, were all over it. Um, 
but yeah, so Camden, you know, you made this great sign. So, you know, I think the Magic are going to win tonight. And <laughs> I don't know, a light bulb went off at some point with him. And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, I, I know we're going to win tonight. And he, he went and he crossed off think and, and, and wrote in the word no. And uh, it's it's pretty much classic uh, classic Camden. It was uh, it was pretty funny. It was, it was a great sign. And uh, I think Alex has hers up in her room. And, and Camden wanted to leave it, uh, you know, in the locker room. You know, he wanted to, to leave it at the arena. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's Camden in that show. Yeah, well, it was pretty cool, and uh, he was pretty proud of it, as was your daughter Alex. And again, they're they're just two really adorable, delightful kids, and it's so great to see them being able to hang out with you, along with your lovely wife Darcy as well. Uh, Coach, final thing before we let you go, I know you're busy, and I know you're caught up in basketball and uh, basketball playoffs in the NBA going on as well, but so are hockey playoffs. Are you a hockey fan? I know your son plays hockey. You, are you following hockey at all? And if so, who are you liking for the cup? Oh, you're asking the wrong guy, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that, that, I just dropped is, one on you. <laughs> you, you. You might as well ask me what the temperature is on Mars right now. I mean, I have, I have no clue what uh, is going on in the NHL. I will say this, though. I, I, I was at um, St. Louis Ribs after our game, um, game five. And a lot of times I get pretty wound up, right? Uh, you get pretty wound up coaching games. And I, I normally need to find about an hour of time after a game before I come home to, to unwind. Good or bad, I'm, the, the mindset can be one way or another. And, and I just want to be dad when I come home. So I normally go and, and relax for a little bit after a game and, I was there and I was actually watching the second half of our game that you just called on my phone. I was there by myself and uh, the Bruins and Maple Leafs were on. And and I don't know if this was game one or game two. I know the Maple Leafs won. And I was, you know, kind of half-heartedly watching it, I guess. But there was a couple Maple Leaf fans sitting at the bar and there was one lonely Bruins fan sitting with a jersey somewhat close to me. and. And boy, were they giving it to this Bruins fan? I mean, to the point I almost thought, should I say something? <laughs> should I should I tell these Maple Leaf fans like, hey, act like you've been here before, okay? Because they certainly weren't, and I, I felt pretty bad for the the Bruins fan, the lonely uh, the Bruins fan. But no, I, I have no idea. I'll root for the Bruins because I'm from New England. Yep. Um, but but yeah, no 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 clue. Well, it was a big win for the Maple Leafs to get back into the series 2-1, but uh, another game tonight, game four, uh, Boston, odds on favor to take that series, so at the very least, you'll be happy about that if the Bruins get by the Leafs, although I I don't know if I would wear a Bruins jersey to St. Louis Ribs sometime, I'm not sure if I'd do that. After what I saw going on there with these Maple Leaf fans, (laughs) I would never wear Bruins anything anywhere public, probably in Canada, in, in the entire country, um... You said the Bruins are up 2-1 in that series? They're up two games to one in that series. That was a must-win game oh. for the Leafs, actually. They had to have it, so. Okay. Okay, well, maybe I'll I'll, I'll cut the Leafs fans a, a little bit of slack then, and, <laughs> and uh, but but not much. But anyway, well, go go Bruins. Best of luck to them. <laughs> Hockey is passion. All right, I'm going to slip this one in on you real quick because I know you like the Celtics just like me. Celtics up 2-0 in their series. Uh, are you surprised at what the Celtics are doing minus – I mean, we knew they weren't going to have Hayward, but minus Kyrie Irving, minus Marcus Smyrta, are you at all surprised about what, what, with what they're doing with the personnel they have? 
Yes and no. I mean, um, to be honest with you, they've they've missed guys a lot of the season. They've had a ton of injury problems. Um, obviously, Kyrie is a, a huge loss for them, and they've been playing quite some time without Gordon Hayward. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised in the sense I feel like they've had found a way to win all season long. They have, in my mind, probably by far the best young coach in, in the NBA in Brad Stevens. Um, so that doesn't surprise me. It surprises me a little bit they're up 2-0 because I think Milwaukee was was a tough draw. I think that was a tough draw for them in, in the first round, yep. um, you know, with the Greek freak and everything else. So, I, I mean, I'm a little surprised, but 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 not really. And, you know, I think the Celtics will, will move on from that series. And, um, you know, the NBA playoffs, I mean, our guys, they, they talk about it all the time. And it's it gets to be pretty heated discussions. And the common theme I've heard from them is, you know, the NBA playoffs this year are, are just destined to be great. There's a lot of great matchups. You know, LeBron has an extremely tough first-round matchup in Indiana. You know, the Sixers with everything that they're doing right now with the, this young, exciting team. Um, you know, and then out in the West, you know, you, you, Golden State doesn't seem to be the odds-on favorite this year. A lot of people like Houston. So certainly an exciting uh, NBA playoffs, although I have not – caught a, a game yet uh at all i've just been i've been too busy but uh hopefully i can catch one here soon well coach if it means that uh, you can't watch nba games because you're busy coaching the moncton magic in the nbl canada playoffs <laughs> we hope that you don't get to watch any nba playoffs for a long time yeah scott if that was it i mean if if, if it meant we were continuing to play and our season was was going to head into the month of May here. I mean, I, I would I would watch NHL playoffs if that's what it meant, and I'm that'd be fine with me. So no, I can uh, I can always you know DVR NBA finals, and I'll, I'll certainly be uh, available for the finals of the NBA, and that that would suit me just fine. Well, coach, again, congratulations uh, on advancing uh, past St. John in the first round in that exciting five, five game series, and we look forward to catching the games tomorrow and Saturday from Halifax. And I know Dave and I are excited to get back on the mic uh, next week when you're in Moncton for Game 3 on Tuesday. Safe travels tomorrow, Coach, and the best of luck against the Hurricanes. Go get them. Okay, thanks a lot, Scott. Take care. You as well, sir. Bye-bye. That was Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. His team just dispatched the St. John Riptide in the first round of the NBL Canada playoffs in the Atlantic Division. Three games to two. They've got a best of seven coming up against the Halifax Hurricanes. I'll break it down for you real quick. Game one is Thursday, 7 p.m. Game two, Saturday at 7 p.m., both in Halifax at Scotiabank Center. Then they make the trip up to Trans-Canada. Games at the Moncton Coliseum, games three and four. Game three, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Game four, Thursday, April 26, 7 p.m., and then uh, if necessary, which in these two teams, I imagine it will be, Game 5 would be scheduled for Saturday, the 28th of April at 7 p.m. Game 6, if necessary, would be back in Moncton the next day, Sunday afternoon, time still to be determined. And then if it should go a Game 7, and wouldn't that be something, Game 7 would be slated for Halifax Saturday, May the 5th at 7 p.m. Again, thank you so much to Coach Joe Salerno for joining us on the Monk and the Magic Time podcast today. It's been a lot of fun. As always, I'm your host, Scott Squires. And remember, friends, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Take care, have a great day, and we'll see you on the broadcast next Tuesday. Bye for now. 
listening to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly presented by Firm Foundation Media.